Well, good morning. My name is Jim. I'm one of the pastors here at Forestbrook. Um, hey, hey, how's it going? That's, that's a little delayed there. I, like, I did it like two minutes ago. You know, rotisserie chicken, lights. Anyways. Uh, so we get to start off a new series this summer, and I'm excited. And as I was thinking about roots, and I was thinking about uh, what they mean uh, for us as a church, I couldn't help but think about some of my own Uh, little quirks, my habits, my roots, you know, my successes, my failures. And uh, they're all, most of them, I should say, can be attributed, can be traced down to my family. Um, Yeah, so I'm blaming my family, basically. So uh, (laughs) families are strange, though, aren't they? Um, Like when they convince you to get matching shirts with the family name on it in case at Disneyland they don't know that you're part of the same family. Right? How many of you have done that before, right? You got the shirts? No one? Come on, you bunch of liars. Have you ever been to Disneyland? Have you ever been to Disneyland? My goodness. Yeah, that's right. I was like, man, this is, t-shirt business is booming. Uh, it's crazy. Um, I'm sure if we took some time to talk about the quirks of your family, I'm sure if we spent some time talking about the roots of who you were as a family unit, I'm sure there would be some weird and wonderful things, but we'd be here all day. Um, What I'm really excited about in this series is that we get to dive into the roots of who we are as a people. We just finished a season talking about what it means to be like Jesus, talk about identity. Um, But just to clarify, the difference with this series, I believe, is that as we're called to follow after Jesus, what, what we mean by roots is what are some of the rhythms? What are some of the traditions? What are some of the things that you and I involve ourselves in that are meant to point us towards a deeper discipleship? In the previous season, we talked a little bit about the characteristics of what Christianity uh, is really meant to be. We, We talked about what it really means to follow after Jesus. What are those characteristics that a people of God should be identified by. Well, in this series, we're starting off, we're actually talking about some of the practical rhythms that you and I engage with. And uh, so over the next few weeks, we'll be looking at things like uh, listening, um, worship, service, scripture, communion, and mission. And all these things might look very basic. And you might say, well, I'm going to tune out because I know all these things. I grew up in the church and I knew all these things. And our hope And our challenge to you is that you would see those things afresh because we believe that God has something important to say as these practices, these habits, these traditions really have great potential to to make us into uh, who we're really meant to be. So today we're going to be diving into prayer. We're going to be talking about prayer. So what better way to to start by by praying? So if you would, join with me in in prayer. Lord God, we, uh, we love you. We bless you. You are more than enough. You're the king of this universe, and and here we are talking to you. Lord, your people stand at the ready to hear your words. Holy Spirit, I pray that your presence would illuminate your word, 
would illuminate our interactions. I pray, God, that anything that seeks to want to take away from that in this space would know that they are not invited. Guard us from distraction. Guard our hearts from despair, from some of the things that we may have experienced this week or things that we have to look forward to. I pray, Father, that as we sit in your presence and as we engage with you and as we engage with one another, may the words that we sing, may the things that we do here in this space assure us of one thing and one thing only, that you love us immensely and gave your son Jesus for us as a result of it. May that reality be what we focus on this morning. God, I give to you these words. I pray that you would use them for the benefit of your kingdom. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are three things I want to share with you uh, this morning as we talk about prayer that God has been laying on my heart. And to best understand these things, I want to invite you to think about an iceberg. I know we're talking about roots, and, you know, I was talking to Jeff about this, and we were thinking, he said, you know, you got an example in the roots. You know, it's a tree, it's got roots, it's got the ground, there's everything on top. But for some reason, I was like, all right, but all I can get out, can't get out of my mind is this iceberg. So I'm going with it, all right? So follow along here. And uh, if you have your Bibles with you, whether it's on uh, your phone or actual book itself, um, I invite you to open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 from verse 5 to 15. So I'll give you a second um, to grab onto that. And the first thing I want to invite you to think about in terms of prayer is that you just have to do it. Right? As simple as that. The basic of what we understand about prayer. As early as I can remember as a child growing up, I just knew prayer is something that you talk to God with. And I want to draw your focus to what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter 6. So Matthew chapter 6 is, is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus starts off with the Beatitudes, and then he starts laying out some of what the kingdom looks like. And it's very different from what people have understood and, and known to be. And you have to understand that when Jesus is starting to talk about prayer here, he's not just saying this is what prayer is, but he's actually speaking against what prayer isn't. All right, And you're going to see that very quickly when he starts talking about prayer. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he starts off by saying, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door to pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. 
For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So, right off the bat, the first thing you ought to remember about prayer is you got to do it. Right? The basic is you got to do it. See, what Jesus starts off here is he's saying, and when you pray, it's not an option. It's not, well, if you feel like praying, then maybe consider this. Right? And the reason why he's saying this is Jesus understands that we as human beings are needy people. We have needs, and we have to come and ask. We have to come and say, well, there's something out there. There's someone out there who's greater than I am who can meet my needs, so I need to ask. And so Jesus is saying, look, when you pray, everyone is going to get at some point in their life where they have some kind of a need. And what Jesus is doing is he's inviting these people to say, well, the beginning of a relationship with God, the beginning of a relationship of engaging with the kingdom of God is that you have to engage with God. You, you have to start praying. Pray for whatever it is that you want. Ask for all these needs. Do what these things are. But when you come, make sure you actually come. It's not an option. So I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear it in the right way, because none of what I, want to, none, none of what I say today is, is meant to be a guilt trip on anyone. And if that's what you feel and that's what you hear, that's, that's not God saying it. Because I assure you that all of the things that God is doing, all of the things that God is, is, is calling us to, is done with the idea of invitation. He's saying, look, if, if you want to be a part of this kingdom, then come. I will keep wooing you. I will keep doing things to show you that I'm legitimately who I am. I'm going to do things to show you that, yeah, we belong together, but I want you to come. I can't force you. And part of this kingdom, and what Jesus is explaining to his people is, part of engaging with this kingdom is that at least you take the first step, the tip of the iceberg, which is that when you do pray, you must pray. So the first thing you have to think about is this. If I believe in Jesus, if I believe that, that God has, has rescued me and has given me this new life, if I believe that God has placed me in this, in this world to make a difference in his, in his kingdom, then I ought to be praying. Martin Luther, who was a German theologian who some would say is responsible for the Great Reformation and uh, responsible for why we're even here today, says this. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is vital. And so when Jesus invites us to, is to engage in this prayer. But you all knew that. If we grew up somewhere in the church, or if this is, this is something that's commonplace for you, you knew that. We ought to pray. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. And one of the things that you ought to remember about our roots is that Jesus does not want to just leave us at that surface level. There's a deepening to that relationship. Remember, that invitation to relationship with Jesus isn't just so that, okay, now that I'm in this club, everything's okay. Guess what? There's an infinite long path to depth in Jesus that he calls us to. And so to start praying and to saying, God, I need you and I need some of these things is just to get our, 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 our foot in the door. 
So when, when I teach my son or when I teach some of my friends to pray and, and I say, you know what? Ask God for whatever it is that you need. We just spent a few moments asking God for a need on behalf of a family that desperately needs it. This whole, this whole last few months, we've been, we've been inviting you and encouraging you to, to pray for people to, to consider bringing to Alpha. If at that, that's the doorway you've stepped in. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. We know we have to pray. And just like that iceberg, the larger mass is below the surface. And I believe that as we enter into that doorway of prayer, as we simplify what we need as people and we say, God, I need your help. God meets our needs in various different ways, but there's also a deeper invite. God says, you know what, I, 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 I'm not a vending machine. I, I can't be used just as a vending machine because what I want from you, what you need is a relationship with me. And so I want to call you deeper and deeper and deeper. And I believe that as we think about prayer, the mass of who we ought to be, the mass of what God is calling us to, to be and what he's building in us should be below the surface. And it's found here where Jesus continues talking about prayer. We all know we should pray. But I'm not convinced that we are all convinced as to why we should pray or if we understand prayer at all. And so this morning, I want to challenge you, not just to start praying if you haven't been praying, but to think about what it means to go deeper. And so the second thing that I want to invite you to, to consider is what's below the surface. Um, I, was, I, was, uh, I was at Starbucks yesterday, which is sort of my sermon space at, uh, in Whitby. I'm usually there really early in the morning, and uh, I'm really cheap. I buy the cheapest drink, and I stay there for like five hours, right? Um, nobody kicks me out. I love being there. And I was stuck on this point, and I was trying to say, but God, why, why, would, it, why would it matter? Like, what should it look like for us to go deeper? Why does it matter? And I said, I'm really stuck on this, God. I'm, I'd love it if there was something that could illustrate. And so I, was, I went online, I was trying to look for stuff, nothing came about. And then my attention was caught to the door. There was this woman who walked in and she had a bright pink uh, top on, uh, dark jeans, uh, hair was done up really nice, what looked like really expensive glasses and jewelry, a, a brand name purse. And she walked in and she ordered Starbucks, right? I don't know why I was like creepily watching, you know? <laughs> it's like, and uh, two seconds later, what seemed like her husband walked in, and he had on a pink top, a dark, you know, dark jeans, what seemingly looked like matching but expensive sunglasses and, expens and an expensive watch, and they stood together and they looked exactly alike, right? And I thought, wow, the epitome of couplehood is you, you, you want to look like each other, right? And that was exactly it. Right? That's exactly it. The reason why God calls us deeper is that he wants us to look like him. Right? And so when I was watching this, again, very creepily, uh, <laughs> this couple, right, I was thinking, okay, so what does it mean to look like you, God? 
And then we've, talk, we've been talking about this for months, right? And so if you, if you haven't been around, I, I encourage you to go back on our website, listen to it. It's been a great, great journey, right, to talk about some of the characteristics. And I, as I watched, it was interesting. Like, the, the husband and the wife, they, they, were, they were so in tune with one another. It, it almost looked like a team sport because they had, like, matching uniforms, right? But, <laughs> but, I, thought, but I thought, this is exactly what God, you're calling us to be. Right? You want us to be mirror reflections of who you are. And that's the mass that's below the surface, isn't it? So how does that relate to prayer? So I wrestled further. And this is what Jesus says. Look with me in verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray. Pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, in the Greek New Testament, there are, I think, about five or six different words for prayer. I, th I think there's five. Um, most of those words for prayer are just, whoop, that was me, my bad. Most of those words are just plain ask God right? They're, they're sort of your, like, hey, I'm in trouble kind of thing. God, would you help me kind of, kind of thing, right? So um, in, front of your, your, in front of your chairs, for some of you, you'll see a card like this where it says, hey, uh, if you want prayer, come and ask for it, right? And, and there's a few scriptures in, in the back that talk about what it means to ask for prayer. Those are some really great words for prayer because they're just like, hey, man, if you're in a situation, this is what you should do. You should ask for prayer. But the word that Jesus uses in this passage is a very unique word. It's, uh, it's a word that's made up of two, two words. And what he's saying here, he actually explains. So this word isn't just ask God. This word actually means come before God and ask God. Right? Like... If you're not following along, there's a big difference, what Jesus is saying, before asking for, asking for things, right? So that was our first step, right? Just ask God for stuff. He wants that. That's the invitation to a relationship with God. It's like, look, acknowledge the fact that you have needs. I'm here. Great. But if you want to go deeper as a follower of Jesus, what Jesus is doing here is he's inviting you deeper. And the word that he uses, because he could have used any of those other words, which was just plain ask, he uses this special word that means to come before God and ask. And here's why it's important. You remember before that verse 6, here's what he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and the street corners to be seen by men, Right? What he's explaining is he's like, these people are saying things to really be impressed and to be influenced by the people around them. For them, they've received their reward in full. What's their reward? Their reward is that they've gotten the attention of the people when really prayer is to get the attention of God. You, you get that? You, you've seen that? So he's not knocking anybody here if you're, if, if you're doing that, right? What he's saying is, he goes, what prayer really is, is time spent with God 
in that space. And then what does he explain later? He goes, go into your room. Go into a quiet space where it's you and God. I would argue that prayer is more than just asking God for things. Do that. That's fine. Prayer is coming into the presence of God, recognizing, acknowledging who He is, acknowledging who you are in relation to Him, doing business with God if you want to think about that. I don't know about you, but when I come before God, there are times when I'm like, all right, God, what is it that you want to say or do? There are times when it's just absolute bliss. It's just like, man, I don't want to leave this place. This is amazing. Then there are times that are very painful. Painful in that the character who God is, when you recognize that, that he is who he is and you realize, I'm, I'm harboring sin in my life. And if I want to be effective for God, if I want to continue on in this relationship with God, I, I got to deal with that with God. For those of you who are married, you, you understand this a little bit, right? When you go home and you're connecting with your spouse and you realize that when there's something wrong, right, your spouse hopefully is the person who recognizes what, what's, what's wrong. What's going on? Because relationship can't exist when something is wrong. It's very much like what Jesus is saying. He's like, get into the presence of God. Why? Because it's in that presence that the Holy Spirit starts to transform who you are. I love what Jeff prayed at the end. He's like, we want to align with what you're doing, God. And aligning with God doesn't just come By accident, you don't just get hit by it. You have to know who God is. You have to spend time in his presence and understand, wow, okay, so this is a God who who loves this. This is a God who, this is his character. God, give me more of this. Help me to look more like you. And so when we pray, we're now aligning what we're praying according to who God is. See, I would argue that the practical side of this is plain and simple. In our busy, noisy culture that's out there, for us to be effective as believers of Christ, believers in Jesus, to be followers, again, no guilt trips here, we need to find our way back to that space. That's what Jesus is saying here to turn to God, to be in that space, to be affected by God. For some of you, uh, you, you find that space in nature. For some of you, you find it in the quiet and the solitude. Continue in that. For some of you, it's like opening the Bible, opening the scriptures, listening to worship music. It, it's a space where God is able to make in you exactly what he desires in you. That's what Jesus is saying. And isn't it amazing that that's what he modeled? Right? Read through the New Testament. Jesus is not just telling you something you ought to do. You see the majority of his life was spent where? In the solitude with his father. That's why he was able to say, I am doing the will of my father. Why? Because I know my father. Right? That's a model for us. 
Parents, I, I really felt this heavy on my heart this morning as I was praying and saying, what do we want to share? It's something that I'm being challenged with. Don't just teach your kids to pray. Teach your kids to find that place where they can be made by God. Teach them how to find God in the quiet. Teach them how to find God in a way where they would understand that that is as vital to life as breathing is. That's the mass that Jesus is talking about. That mass refers to intimacy with God. It refers to being in a space where God and us meet. And for all of us, that's going to look differently. But I would argue that we need that space. What I love about what we do at Forestbrook here is every Sunday, we carve out a space for the table. We carve out a space for the table, not because we feel obligated to do it. We don't do this because if we stop doing it, someone's going to complain. <laughs> we do it because we believe that this is the time and the place where God meets with us, eats with us, and he commanded us to do it because it's one of the most intimate things that he did with his disciples is to say, look, this body, this, this bread, sorry, and this, this cup is meant to represent that I'm still at work in you. I'm still at work in this world. And I'm coming back for, to, to, to bring my kingdom here. And so when we do this, and we remember, we're not just supposed to recall stuff. We're supposed to be like people who are like, we're excited about what God is doing in our midst. We're excited about what God stands for. And so when we take of the bread, and when we take of the cup, we engage with God in a very special way with his people. And as we do that this morning, I want to challenge you. How is your communion with God? How is your communion, that time and that space? Because guess what? If you're feeling guilty right now that you haven't done it, you need to like banish that in the name of Jesus. But rather, you should look and see that there's a God who's inviting you and saying, I want to take you to a deeper place. Will you come? Will you come? Let's start today. Let's start today. And that's what Jesus is inviting to. So as we do this, I ask you to consider, how is my communion with God? How is my space with God? Amen. So before I continue and uh, talk about that third thing with the iceberg, I feel I need to say this, and maybe this is not for everybody, but if, if you're feeling some level of guilt, like, oh man, I've been coming to this church for so long, or I've been a Christian for so long, or I haven't done this, you know, God can't love me 
because of this, because I haven't spent time with him or, or whatever, I feel I need to speak into that. Because I'll tell you, like there's no one tougher on me than me. And the enemy doesn't help either. And I would hate for anybody here to go away thinking that God does not want to have communion with you because of your record. Because of, oh, he, has, he or she hasn't seen me in a while, so I'm going to wait till they feel even worse a little bit. No. The invitation of God is active and present every day, every moment. The moment that you are hearing this right now, what does the writer of Hebrews say? So when you hear the words of salvation, act now. I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but you know, it's like when you hear this, don't think that God's saying, man, I got to wait till you suffer a little bit more before you come back, so you'll never ever, no. You may have gone to church all your life, and you may have not even said a word of prayer. Start today. You may be hearing this, and you're saying, man, I, I don't actually have a space where I come before God, and, and, and I engage with Him, unconnected, unconnected from people and from devices and things like that. Guess what? Start now. That's the prayer that Jesus is inviting us to. And guess what? He wants us to do that because he wants us to be effective disciples. He wants us to look like him. He wants us to walk and talk and look and to feel like him. And all for this very reason. It's for this third, third point. When we think of an iceberg, we rarely think about the water that it displaces. But the mass of that iceberg displaces water. Guess what? As an effective disciple of Jesus, you are meant to be displacing the things and the powers and the principalities and the effects and the, the current of this world. And that only happens, that only happens when we have left the presence of our space with the king, isn't it? We are effective when we walk out of there and we walk out of our space and we know for a, for, without a shadow of a doubt this is what God has called me to. It's in that space where we start to understand, God, what is it that breaks your heart? When we look at the stuff that's going on out there in the world, when we look at the stuff that's happening in our neighborhoods, when we look at the stuff that's happening in our communities, the breakdowns of things, and we look and we say, God, what is it that's actually tearing you apart? Tear me apart as well. So when you go out and you see injustice, you could say, well, yeah, I serve a God of justice. And he's empowered me with the Holy Spirit. And I've spent time with him and I know that this is what I can do. And when you've gone and you've, you've expended of yourself, you come back to that space. Isn't that what Jesus did? Right? He knew what he was limited to. And he went back and he's like, I got to go back. For this is the will of my Father. And Jesus is telling his people. What does he say in his Lord's Prayer? We want heaven to come down here on earth as it is. Or we want your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The effect of that prayer, the effect of that intimacy with God is that you would be a person who displaces the things that are going on in this world. I can just see all of you like many little icebergs floating around your little city, your 
I was going to say your village, but what are we, you know? Your, your streets, your schools, your workplaces, your grocery stores. Imagine, imagine waking up every morning and, and whether it is in, you spend time with God in the morning or wherever, coming out of that place and saying, God, wherever I go, displace the world around me. Allow the effect of the Holy Spirit to challenge and change what I see out there. That's, that's what prayer is. It's okay if you're just asking for things. That's, that's cool. Jesus is saying, you want to go deeper? Because I got lots more. I'll provide you with, with stuff. Because I'll tell you, I'll be absolutely honest. When, when my prayer life was just asking God for things, and God, I'll tell you this, I will guarantee you this, God always answers prayer. He just doesn't always say yes. And if all your prayer life consists of asking God for things without understanding why he says no, without understanding being in that space, it can get a, become very frustrating. You might want to give up. There might be some of you here who said, I've asked God for all these things, but he said no. He hasn't shown up in all of these things. And I would challenge you. I would challenge you with, with, with all my heart right now because this is the journey I'm on. Find out why. Go in his presence. Understand the character of God. Invite God to imprint him onto you. Ask God, change my prayers. Change me. And realize that God invites us to displace the things around us. There's a quote by a, um, an author who, who died in the late 1900s. His name is S.D. Gordon. I came across this, um, this quote yesterday. And he says this, based on you know, us spending time with him. Our prayer is God's opportunity to get into the world that would shut him out. How amazing to know that the prayer the life of prayer that God has called us to is meant to be deep. It's meant to be changing us to the effect where we look like him. And not just that, to go out wherever you are, to keep your eyes open, to see what it is that's out there and whatever breaks your father's heart, that it breaks yours and to know that that's not the end of it, it's that the Holy Spirit is there and you are able to make change. That's the kingdom of God affecting the kingdom of this world. And so as you, Forrest Brook, endeavor to discover what these roots of prayer are, may you see the invitation of God pulling you deeper, deeper into his presence to make you more like him so that you may make a splash in this world. Amen.